You're listening to Create Wealth Through Franchising, and I'm your host, Kim Daly. In my 20 years as a franchise consultant, I've helped hundreds of people achieve their dreams of building and scaling franchise businesses to create wealth. The interview you're about to hear can also be found on my YouTube channel, where I post new franchising content multiple times per week. Please take a moment to subscribe to the podcast and to my YouTube channel at kimdaily.tv. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to Kim Daily TV. Today, we're going to be talking about diversification of your investments. I have an expert in cryptocurrency. His name is Bob Burnett. Bob, welcome to Kim Daily TV. I'm really excited to have you here today because, you know, cryptocurrency is something that I think the average person, I'll raise my own hand, I mean, I know very minimal about it. You hear all this buzz about it. My teenage boys are on me about buying Bitcoin, buying Bitcoin. So I know you're an expert. I have investments with you um, because I, I think that it's an up and coming thing for me. It's part of my total portfolio, but I want want to learn more about it. And that's why I want you to share a little bit about Bitcoin and why it's important as you see it since you're the expert. But guys, before we get into crypto, let me read Bob's bio so you can get to know a little bit about the man who's going to talk to you about his expertise. (laughs) So Bob Burnett, he is the founder and CEO of Barefoot Mining. It's a company focused on the development of horse class mining sites. So we're going to have to come back to that. And he is a vocal proponent for the expansion of diversity in Bitcoin mining site geography, scale, and energy sources. So that's sort of interesting, Bitcoin and energy. We'll come back to that. Bob has spent over 35 years as a technologist, including 13 years at Gateway. Remember your Gateway computer? (laughs) A Fortune 200 personal computer company where he led the company's product development efforts as the chief technical officer. He has founded several companies in the Bitcoin mining space, and he's an evangelist an educator for Bitcoin and its importance in the world's future. Importance in the world's future. This is why he's on. I want to know what he wants. What he, I don't want to know what you're going to say today, Bob. He has a degree in computer engineering from the University of Wisconsin at Milwaukee. With that introduction, Bob, let's just go right into the basics of Bitcoin. Why is it important overall as an investment? Well, to get into Bitcoin, you have to talk about money. You know, what you do in franchising, I think what, what, what all people in business, they're all after money. But I think what's interesting about it is, is most people really don't understand what money is and how money works. They know they want it. They know its importance to their, their life and their future, but they really don't know what it is. And so um, maybe we'll start there. So money is a representation of your work. The geek in me says, you know, what is work? In physics, work is energy. It's it's very simple, right? So we'll get back to this later because you talked about energy. But, But work is energy. A monetary network, a monetary system, is a way of moving work over space and time. Because what do we want? We want our investments, we want our money to be able to buy things. If I want to buy Belgian chocolates or I want to buy apples from Peru, I want want to be able to have my money work that way. And I also want, like you talked about your young children or your your boys, you know, 
I want to know that, hey, I can, I can take money that I earn now and I can have something I can give to them in the future. And to the degree that the value of that money erodes, um, that is resistance in the system, okay? And, and so what are the resistance points in the system? Their taxes, their inflation, their fees, okay? My wife's from the Philippines. And so if we send money from here to the Philippines, we meet a lot of resistance in the system, okay? We, we, we start with $100, and my mother-in-law, if we're sending her a birthday gift, let's say we're sending $100 for a birthday gift, she ends up with about $85 of purchasing power. That 15% loss is energy loss, okay? Bitcoin um, is the antidote. Our system is very antiquated, and it's filled with bureaucracy, it's filled with ineptitude, it's filled with corruption, and it's, it's filled with antiquated systems. And those things are creating resistance in the system that doesn't need to be there. Bitcoin allows me, use the, if I wanna send $100 of value to my mother-in-law in the Philippines, I can use Bitcoin, and I can get that money there instantly with no resistance. I can start with $100 and she can get $100. Okay. So, so Bitcoin, um, which is the granddaddy of all cryptocurrencies, we'll talk about cryptocurrency in general, but Bitcoin is the granddaddy of them all. Um, Bitcoin is an attempt to disassociate government from money because most of these problems that I talked about, most of this resistance comes from money, from the government. And it's, it's an attempt to reduce as much resistance in the system as possible. So that's why it exists. Um, so maybe I'll stop there and let you... Uh... Yes, so great. So this is then so many questions. So as you, with that setup then, is it no wonder that there's sort of like this sort of, it's, it's almost like, um, what is Bitcoin? Like you hear all these mixed messages. Is that why there's chaos about the messaging? Because like government doesn't really want the average person to know what Bitcoin is because it's, my kids are, they are 14 and 15 and they don't want cash. Like if I give them cash, they're like, mom, give me the Venmo. They, they, they already only want digital currency. That is their, I watch what my kids do and think this is our future. They don't, they don't transact like I transact. They want it all digitally. My 15-year-old is like, mom, we need Bitcoin. We need Bitcoin. We need Bitcoin. <laughs> you know, he's trying to set up his own account. And I'm like, why do you need Bitcoin? Like, what do you know that I don't know? <laughs> That's why I thought, Bob needs to come on my show and teach me what I need to know about Bitcoin. So, okay, so let's go back to the question I was asking about, like, if it reduces resistance and increases, I mean, who doesn't want their hard-earned dollars to always equal what what it should equal? If I give you 100, I want you to have the 100 I'm giving right. to you. Who doesn't like that? Right. Well, the people who, who were getting, uh, th those resistance points were profit centers for other people. And so those people don't like it very much. And um, those, those resistance points also, by the way, the, the fancy financial term for those resistance points is trusted third party. That's how they have 
categorize themselves. So when you get into the geekdom of the financial world, those would be the trusted third parties that are important to maintain the financial integrity and make sure that 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 the money truly. So Bitcoin is a threat to the way that the whole money system works. It it, it is a. F- it's an answer or it's a threat, depending on which side of this um, debate you're Correct. on. It is a it is a frontal attack against the establishment financial system. And it came up in a manner through what's called the cypherfunk community, cypherpunk community, which is a group of people kind of from cryptography backgrounds, a lot of people with resumes like mine, um, um, uh, technically, also from a lot of people from kind of libertarian political thought or Austrian economic thought. All groups that maybe a lot of people would consider fringe groups. But, and I think that the government authorities never really took it seriously. And it, it slowly, uh, this is a terrible analogy for today, but it's like a virus that, that kind of eked out. And, you know, a few dozen people came, became a few thousand people that became tens of thousands of people that became hundreds of thousands and now hundreds of millions of people. There are hundreds of millions of people scattered around the world running a network that's so large that they can't stop it. It's like the genie got out of the bottle and they can't put the bottle, they can't put it back in the bottle. And now the only thing they can do is is try to attack it. Um, and, and, you know, they will attack it by trying to say it's, it's, it's the fodder of criminals and money launderers and sex traffickers. And, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, you know, that's what it's being used for. Or it's using so much energy, it's going to boil the oceans. Or, um, you know, you really can't trust it. You need us, you know, that, that we are the people you should trust, which is, I find awfully ironic that that group of people um, wants to be trusted. Um, any of your listeners, go out sometime and, and do a search, a Google search, on the fines paid by large banks. You will be aghast for participating in things like money laundering. You will, you will see hundreds of billions of dollars of bank fines paid by Bank of America and J.P. Morgan and Wells Fargo, like massive, massive amounts of fines for their illegal activities. You'll find names like Christine Lagarde, who's the head of the ECB, the European Central Bank, who was convicted of participating in these events, yet somehow still holds her position as the head of, you know, probably the second most important central bank in the world. But I I, I said this to you before, I believe there is a site, a fight for the soul of society. Sounds very grandiose, I know, very, very big. But here's what's happening. Um, we started this conversation talking about money and what it is. Money, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion, it, money was never meant to be a policing tool. Um, it was never meant to be some mechanism um, to be used as a weapon. 
and, and that's what it's become. Money, money is supposed to be what, it, what we talked about. It represents work, and the monetary system is supposed to help move that work over space and time. It's not also supposed to be a mechanism by which we, we as a country, I'm talking United States, sanctions other countries. We use it as a weapon. We prevent countries we don't like or we disagree with from participating in the global financial network. We use it, that's a weapon, right? We use it in place of war. Um, and by the way, some people get really hurt by that. Like, like you know, you may, you may think I'm, an, I'm a nut, but there are, there are North Koreans and Iranians and, and uh, Syrians and countries that we don't like, individual citizens who are, who are suffering great economic harm because of those actions. Additionally, um, just as an example, our, our system is moving toward one where we have no privacy. So cash, which was you know the money that most of us thought of is disappearing. You even said, Kim, like your kids, it's becoming a Venmo culture, okay, or a PayPal culture, or even a Bitcoin culture. Okay, those are all digital digital forms of money, but here's the thing. You're going to read and see in the coming year or so a lot of talk about what's called a CBDC, a central bank digital currency. So this is an attempt by the Federal Reserve to say we don't need Bitcoin, we have our own digital money. Um, it is a Trojan horse of epic proportions. What it means is that the central bank will be able to completely circumvent the, the regional and local banks and see directly into your personal wallet. We'll remove cash, cash will go away. Money can be distributed from the central bank directly to you personally. And they will decide whether or not you have access to your money or not. They'll be able to turn it off with a, with a switch. Um, and and I know you're you probably don't want to get real political. Well, let's just say hypothetically, people that are vaccinated can use their wallet, and people that are not vaccinated can't use their wallet. People that buy too much gas can't use their wallet, and people that use electric cars can. Um, those types of things will literally be the slip of a switch, and your entire access to your monetary system. And again, you might say, oh, Bob, you're, you're talking kind of conspiracy theory stuff. Well, I'm talking about things that are already happening in other countries. Hey, Daily Coach fans, if this franchise sounds like a fit for you, I would love to be your Daily Coach. Email me right now for a totally free consultation at inquire at kimdaily.tv. So to like lighten it up a little bit and to make this more like, so about the investment part of yeah. Bitcoin yeah. or any other cryptocurrency, what's the value to me, to my teenage son today, who's like, mom, set up a Coinbase account for me. I want to start buying Bitcoin. Like what's the tangible investment value? Yeah. Uh, great question. Because I, I think that there's a, there are multiple ways of looking at this, but but maybe the simplest way to look at it is this. Bitcoin, one of its founding principles is a fixed money supply. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoin, and that can't change. 
unlike our current money supply, which they print more every day, right? It continually expands. Devalues the dollar and, and the reason that whether it's your toilet paper or your apples or, you know, whatever are more expensive. At the end of the day, um, a lot of it gets blamed on the supply shortages and all that. But most of it really comes down to the expanding money supply. That's the technical economic definition of, of inflation is expansion of the money supply. So Bitcoin can expand. So what does that mean? That means if I have one Bitcoin today, I have one one twenty-one millionth of all the Bitcoin there will ever be. If I give it to my grandchild 50 years from now, it still will be one one twenty-one millionth of all the Bitcoin that will ever be. So I can move my Bitcoin through space and time and I can preserve that value. Now, um, that's in the Bitcoin world. Now, in parallel, if we think of parallel universes, there's the Bitcoin universe and there's the, the fiat US dollar based universe. That universe, the money supply is expanding. And so um, while Bitcoin may vacillate in short windows in time, if you look at the 13 year history of Bitcoin, it's been a pretty sharp, you zoom out, look at the 13 year chart, it's a very dramatic up and to the right performing asset. In fact, it is the best performing asset of the last 12 years. Um, interestingly too, if you change the base metric, in other words, if you, and, and very few people do this today and I get it, but if you value your life in Bitcoin instead of dollars, you start doing that, <laughs> okay? What you'll realize is if, 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 if you look at, for instance, a chart of the S&P 500, again, another one you could Google, go get a chart of the S&P 500 and look at the performance of the S&P 500 valued in Bitcoin over the last five years. You know what you'll find out is that you lost money if you value. So for uh, people that are like heavy into equities right now, if you had valued your life in Bitcoin, you'd, you would realize that you've actually done very poorly. Um, so... Um, there's, I know that's a huge mental leap for people, but, but Bitcoin is about, again, we'll go back to that core thing. It's about being able to move value in space through space and time without resistance. And so when, like when I say, um, people will often say I bought Bitcoin and, and, and another way of expressing exactly the same thing is you can say I sold dollars. That's a, that's a concept most people probably don't think about is that whenever you buy anything, you're selling dollars to buy that other thing. Okay? And so what I say is when I sell dollars to acquire Bitcoin, I don't ever want to move it back. Why? Why you know, I, I, I don't have any interest in in taking that Bitcoin, which I know will move through space and time without resistance, and get something back on the other side in dollars. So that will then decrease in value, could decrease yeah. in value. Okay, so, and this is my ignorance, can you use Bitcoin to purchase like a car or a house or it, does it have that type of value or would you have to then convert it back to dollars to use it today? 
that's up to the merchant. Um, my, my business, um, we accept Bitcoin. And so we, you know, we do transactions all the time. We do small ones of a few hundred dollars and we do um, some internationally, especially that are hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, we, we accepted about $360,000 from somebody in Turkmenistan. Um, and Where's that? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> a, it's just kind of a former Soviet what, what satellite the country. Dollars that those are U.S. dollars. What were the equivalent in his yeah, country? I don't, I don't even know what their local <laughs> currency is. But that was the whole point was we were able to do a transaction with a guy in Turkmenistan for, you know, a lot of money and do it in 10 minutes without a bank. And we did it on a Tuesday evening. Um, so, cause that's the other thing is Bitcoin runs 24 by seven, 365. It's not bound by, Oh, you missed the wire cutoff or maker's you know, hours, you know, it's the weekend. <laughs> oh, it's Columbus day. I guess we're closed. I mean, we don't deal with any of those sort of really insane, um, restrictions, again, resistance points. We don't deal with any of those things. But the answer to your question, Kim is today, it's not common. Um, that said, PayPal, Venmo, MasterCard, Square, um, almost all the credit card processors, they have built into their infrastructure the ability to accept Bitcoin. It's up to merchants to decide if they want to turn it on. So what we call the payment rails are already all there. They're all built. And I think it's going to take you know, a handful of years for merchants to get comfortable with this um uh you know because the truth of the matter is uh you know i i, I want to be realistic too most businesses your business is even an example i'm sure you have if 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 somebody worked with you and they paid in bitcoin you're still going to have a lot of your costs in dollars so so you know, if I were you and, I, and that happened, I would. This is my dream, Bob. That's met, that's in my vibrational escrow, but it's not manifesting into reality into that porch in my driveway. Like I need it converted to how I can use yes. it. So that's really yeah. that. Like that's the thing. Like is it is it a valuable? Is it a valuable investment today? Because you hear Bitcoin's going up and up and up, the price is going up and up and up. So is it a valuable um, investment today to kind of wrap this up? Or is it a vehicle that I'm putting my money into that I can't then have access to actual the value of that for most transactions? Well, the, the good news is if you do wanna go back, you wanna convert into US dollars, it's highly liquid. And as I just mentioned, the beauty is you can do that 24 by 7, 365. So if, if, if you had one Bitcoin, two Bitcoin, and you wanted to buy that, that beautiful new car, you could, you could sell Bitcoin at 11.30 at night on a Saturday um, and turn it into dollars and, and have them instantly available to buy your car. You, you could do that. I don't think people have to be afraid about the liquidity. Um, the, the, Bitcoin is a trillion dollar market cap. It's, it's super, super liquid. So it's not, I mean, in a lot of ways, um, you know, there's a lot of, for instance, you know, real estate investors or gold or equities or things like that. 
Bitcoin's liquidity is way, way better than any of those, even if you want to bring it back to dollars or yen or wherever it is you live in the world. You, you essentially have instant access to move between the two worlds. Hey, Daily Coach fans, if you're inspired by this conversation, I invite you to email me right now to explore this franchise opportunity. My email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. How does one decide, like, what is, you know, I've, I've heard people say, just get in, like, do the dollar cost average, like, we're just putting it in consistently. Like, how does one decide how much Bitcoin or when to jump in and, and then tactically how? Like, where's the best place to go to buy Bitcoin? Yeah. What I, what I like to say to people is, first, you know, should I get in or not? That's just a basic question. Should I get in? And if so, how much? And uh, one of the things I do when I speak, when I do public speaking engagements, is I'll say, if, 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 if you've listened to me and you hate everything I say, um, then I still hope you'll take a half a percent or 1% of your net worth. And on the chance that you're wrong and I'm right, you'll... You'll, you'll buy a little bit of Bitcoin. If you believe I'm right at the other extreme and you believe that it ultimately will become the, the global reserve asset and that primary store of value used around the world, then you probably don't need to put much more than 20 to 25% of your portfolio in it because... Um, if, if that scenario is right, that 20 to 25% will become 95% uh, of your portfolio within the decade. You know, it will, it will grow wow. so much faster than the rest that, you know, that you don't, in other words, you don't have to go all in. Like, even if you believe that, you don't have right. to go all in. You can, you can still stay right. fairly balanced and stay within. And, and, and if, if you believe somewhere in the middle, that's fine too, you know, um, you know, pick your point. Um, if you are, if you are um, just getting started, you want to get your feet kind of, kind of wet. Um, I think the dollar cost averaging scenario is a really good one, and you can do. There's, there's plenty of services through places like Coinbase or Swan Bitcoin, for instance, where you can dollar cost average. You can set up a buy um, like twenty dollars a week, fifty dollars a week, a hundred dollars a week, whatever is comfortable for you and just get involved. I really encourage everybody to do that. $5 a week, I don't care. Just something to start paying attention, some motivation to learn and go deeper because we're truly just scratching the surface here today. You know, what you'll find is there are different ways to invest and even diversify within Bitcoin. And so you can, you can hold Bitcoin and, and buy it directly, but then you can also invest in things like Bitcoin mining, which um, basically Bitcoin mining in very simple terms is the, um, the computer network that processes the transactions and manages the blockchain. And um, there's a way to earn Bitcoin through mining. And so um, that's, that's what my company is primarily involved in and what we help people um, people invest in, in mining. And I'd say that's kind of the, the phase two level investment for people, you know, and, and then it, it provides that second layer of investment in Bitcoin and diversification even within the Bitcoin part of your portfolio.
I skipped part one because I'm advanced. You I went right to part, part two, guys. So, part two, you yes. know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, just don't don't follow what I do. <laughs> Bob, like, I, I mean, my mind wants to, I want to keep asking you questions, but I don't want to just like take up your time. Like there's one lingering question on my mind that I, I just have to ask, like, could Bitcoin ever become you're going to laugh when I say this, I think, but could it ever become illegal? Like, could the powers that be, the Federal Reserve, the the big, the people that run the money ever see this as such a threat that in some some way or somehow they, like, you know, like squelch the whole thing? Anything is possible. Um, but I'll, I'll have two, two ways to answer that question. Okay. The first one is that, let's say that that happens. I, I would say you would have the equivalent effectiveness of um, uh, prohibition. <laughs> uh, it, it would have, they have zero, they, they can declare anything illegal, but they have zero chance of stopping it from working. So that's the first thing. And the second thing is, it's, I believe it is too, um, too diverse, too, the virus has spread, uh, you know, we have, we have, uh, um, in Texas right now, there's a gubernatorial race. Every single gubernatorial candidate in Texas says, as part of their platform, they will make Bitcoin legal tender in Texas. So, you know, could, could they? Yes. Would it have any effect? I don't think so. And also remember that companies like Tesla hold almost $2 billion of it in their balance sheet. Companies like New York Life and Massachusetts Mutual hold it in their general funds. So for the government to make it illegal, they now even have to fight large corporate forces that are heavily invested in it. So I just, I don't think that will wow. happen. They'll, they'll try to regulate it, I believe. Um, and and uh, that's okay, and I don't, I, you know, but I don't think they can ban it. To sum it up, all of this at the core, it's about freedom, right, Bob? It's about freedom, freedom from the resistance, and you know, that's really what Kim Daily TV is all about. Like my, in a much simpler level, teaching people how to break free from working for other people to own their time, their future, you know, to build income that they own and can control and to create the tax advantages that are set up to help the rich get richer, right? And to build assets that you own and control. And ultimately, the reason I wanted Bob to be a guest on my show was because I know that at the core conversation of Bitcoin, it's about freedom and it kind of bring it full circle. That's what this is all about. You can do, you know, as Bob has suggested to make an investment or not, if you think he's crazy, but I hope that you enjoyed listening to his expertise and maybe even learned something today. I know that I did. Thank you so much for being my very special guest today, Bob Burnett. Well, thank you, Kim. Uh, and amen to what you just said. I couldn't have said that better. It is about freedom. Freedom is what it's, it's all, all about. about. I was leading a course last night, a mastermind group, and I had like, you know, 20 or 25 real state investors and just interested in diversification and was teaching them about franchising. And I said, look, guys, I'm not selling franchising. Franchising is just the vehicle that's driving freedom. Mm -hmm. 
And that's really what this whole conversation is about. And it's a, it is a much bigger conversation that goes to the heart of, I think, what the human spirit just longs for in every way. Every single thing that we do, I've said this in other videos, is because we believe that in the having of whatever we're striving for, we'll feel better. And most of what we're trying to feel is freedom. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. Awesome. Well, amen. Now it becomes like a little gospel sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Bob, is there any, if people want to reach out to you, if they want to know more about barefoot mining or about um, what you do, um, where can people find you? Yeah. Visit us at our website, uh, barefootmining.com. And um, I'm very engaged in Twitter on primarily the topics of Bitcoin and uh, economics. Um, you can find me there at Boomer underscore BTC. And, um, you know, I hope you'll hope you'll join me there. Uh, it, it's, uh, you know, Bit Bitcoin Twitter is a is a very fun place. And and I, I would encourage anybody that has even a cursory interest in these topics to to join me there. On that note, guys, I hope you enjoyed this special episode with Bob Burnett. Until next time, my name is Kim Daly. And don't forget, I want to be your daily coach. If you found this inspiring, please contact me at inquire at kimdaily.tv. My consulting services are totally free to you. Again, that email is inquire at kimdaily.tv. I can't wait to hear from you.